Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Close Talking. I am Jack Rossiter Munley, here with Connor McNamara Stratton, and today we are discussing a poem. Our poem for today, which I selected, is Presque Isle by Louise Glick. And Louise Glick was born in 1943, and she is, I would say, one of the great living American poets. Um, She won the National Book Award, I think, 2015, I think, with um, her collection, Faithful and Virtuous Night. Um, And the poem, Presque Isle, is part of the collection, The Wild Iris, which came out in 1992 and won the Pulitzer Prize. It's a very interesting book, and I will read it. Presque Isle. In every life, there's a moment or two. In every life, a room somewhere, by the sea or in the mountains. On the table, a dish of apricots, pits in a white ashtray. Like all images, these were the conditions of a pact. On your cheek, tremor of sunlight, my finger pressing your lips. The walls blue-white, paint from the low bureau flaking a little. That room must still exist on the fourth floor with a small balcony overlooking the ocean. A square white room, the top sheet pulled back over the edge of the bed. It hasn't dissolved back into nothing, into reality. Through the open window, sea air smelling of iodine. Early morning, a man calling a small boy back from the water. That small boy, he would be 20 now. Around your face, rushes of damp hair streaked with auburn, muslin, flicker of silver, heavy jar filled with white peonies. The first thing that I'm curious about in reading this poem is that there is just so much color in it. There's a lot of colors at the beginning, which are mainly about the room, and we're in the room for the beginning of the yeah, poem. Right. Blue and white are the main colors, particularly white that are pointed out. And then we go outside, and there's just an explosion of color in those last four lines, particularly the last two, and particularly the last one. And yeah. in those last two lines, you have auburn, muslin, silver, and white for the peonies. That's such a good observation especially because it's such a poem rooted in memory i mean the whole thing is about a memory and this memory being important and the particular vividness that i think emerges at the end suggests perhaps how the the memory by by the end has like worked its way into being sort of a more vivid thing or something for for the speaker. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I love this poem. I say that about every poem, but I guess we're only talking about ones that we love. So, although maybe at some point we'll do one that we should we just hate. pick one that's awful. And, and we want to bring good things into the lives of our listeners. We want these poems not just for our own discussion, but also because... 
they're great poems to know about. We yeah. want you to know about either the poem specifically or in many cases to know the poet who wrote it and their other work because we really value what they're doing and we think you might get a lot out of it too. Yeah, I agree. And this one, this one I love, it's just so, it's about, it's a memory that the speaker has with this you who as seems to be like maybe a partner, like a romantic relationship um, that may or may not be still going on. Um, it's sort of unclear, but um, very important person. And it's this kind of intimate, very intimate moment that she's recalling. Um, and it's it's maybe 15 years ago, there's that line, that small boy, he would be 20 now. So we have a sense if the boy is, you know, five or seven or something, um, this is like, you know, a dozen or 15 years later. Um, and what, what, what I love about it is for one, the beginning, the first stanza is so interesting. It starts very removed. So we have, in every life, there's a moment or two. In every life, a room somewhere by the sea or in the mountains. Um, and this is, in every life, it's this kind of, we're just sort of thinking about the world. We're just like, you know, what's life like, blah, blah, blah. And there's not much sense of like personal stake or personal investment. Um, and it also is not that clear, like in every life there's a moment or two, like a moment or two what? Like that you like, that you hate, that you remember, that fucks you up. Um, it's not, it's just very suggestive. I mean, it's sort of that, that um, restraint reminds me a little bit of the very beginning of the red wheelbarrow poem, the Williams, so much depends upon us red wheelbarrow. And it's like, what is this so much? I don't know. So, um, but then, at the, then after that, we move straight into, and this is what I really love, we move straight into items in the memory. And there's no two, two elements that, that I think make this poem work is, there's no, I remember, blah, 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 or do you remember, or like, I saw. In fact, in the memory lines, there are no actual verbs. So, um, on the table, a dish of apricots hits in a white ashtray. Um, tremor of sunlight, finger pressing your lips, not pressed your lips. So everything is happening in this very still, slow, motionless, fixed way. Um, and, we get, and that really brings in the memory because it's almost like it's flashing in your mind. It feels very present, even though it is clearly not what's happening right now. It's that in comes one image and then it goes out and in comes another image and then it goes out. You don't linger on any one of them until the very end of the poem where you're getting to this sort of core image you have this scene setting through these fleeting in and out visions of different objects or moments. You don't have any stillness. You have motion. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and it's, 
I don't know. It's just it, for some reason it it moves me in like what I just it strikes me because the first time I read it when I got to the last line I got that that poem chill thing and it was like heavy jar filled with white peonies and I was like why did I get that like when we talked about what the living do the end is so it's restrained but it's clearly poignant I am living I remember you here we're just returning to a description of an object we have a jar with flowers in it there's no like the flowers which represented the love who is no longer with me or something like that that's that's not there and what i think has happened is a very quiet placement of images that a bring you into the scene so they're very vivid i mean these these are these are just clear as day pits in a white ashtray um paint from the low bureau flaking a little that flaking um and and the fact that the room it's it's mostly objects that the memory is thinking about things are pieces of of the room are coming into force um and and yet then within that there's these more abstract moments that I think help us understand that this is important, even though we might not sure why not. So the beginning obviously helps in the moment. There's a moment or two. So we're like, this is one of the two moments in this person's life that gets them or something. And then um, that room must still exist. And so it's that kind of, that phrase is very interesting. That room must still exist. It's like, yes, we're. This is still. That still must be there. That I'm thinking about. What I don't know. Um, and then, which is, I think, resolved. This line, which I love, it hasn't dissolved back into nothing, into reality. Um, and I love that a because the pair, the closeness of into nothing, into reality, that. So it makes sense, obviously, because when if the memory leaves, um, you know, it's not there, so it's nothing. But where does it go to where the room still exists into reality? That makes sense. But at the same time, it suggests the connection between reality and nothing. There's this kind of true value in the imaginary or the memory, I think, for the speaker that is important um, and it's still so restrained it hasn't dissolved back is a sort of like a negative way of articulating I still remember this yeah and then just the intimacy of the you on your cheek tremor of sunlight my finger pressing your lips that's such an evocative image um, and, it, and yeah and it brings another person into this room yeah which then adds depth to the room must still exist because that line, in addition to giving us the contours of the memory, also situates this as a memory. It starts bringing that distance from the events and the objects that are being relayed. And so the introduction of another person in relation to our narrator 
also heightens the emotions that must have gone into that room. It gives us a deeper sense of what that room might have meant before then not removing the room, because the room must still exist, but removing us through the person telling us about the room. Yeah. Something about it. The one part that I'm curious to know what you think about this line, which I've been thinking about a lot. I don't uh, understand it exactly, but like all images, these were the conditions of a pact. And then it's a colon and then on your cheek, tremor of sunlight, my finger pressing your lips. And I'm trying to figure out A, what's the pact? B, why? what are the conditions that are being described? And C, how are all images conditions of packs? I don't, um, and yet it seems so vital. Somehow that affects me still, even if I don't understand it. It's because that's, it's making a claim both about these specific images, but also it, articulates in some ways, I think, a thesis of how, why the poem is what it is, which is a series of images, basically, disconnected. And like all images, this is some kind of pact. But I, I am still mysterious to me. <laughs> I wonder if you have any thoughts on that. My thought would be, I guess a possible reading of this poem would be that this room this special place, because we're clearly indicating that it is a very special place. The memory of it, I think tinged with a certain sense of loss, is a very fond one. It is a unique space. I think, without going far beyond the text, we could read this room as a place of young love, of a special place in a young relationship the honeymoon phase of a relationship. This is the room where these two young lovers went and had you know, an idyllic weekend by the sea, perhaps, or something. There's a table and a dish of apricots. It's very sensually described. Quick images, but that's a really, you know, rich apricots. Ooh, you know, it's, it is. It's like, you don't just have apricots around. You're like... No, you have apples. Right, you got apples or bananas or some lettuce or something like a dish of apricots and the pits and the white ashtray and ooh, what special sexy times we got. What accent is that, Jack? Oh my god. It's I don't know. It's like it's not yeah. it's not an everyday food. It's not an everyday description of the food. Like it is a sensual addition. And I think what we can see is that maybe they didn't go back to that room, but they did return to potentially this same beach later. That's another memory from this same space. Yeah, so the pact in that way is you and I in the poem are like we'll be together, like are committing ourselves to each other kind of thing. As you said, it's just a pact of togetherness. It's a pact of care and devotion and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That especially makes sense in that 
those the images that follow are so like on your cheek tremor of sunlight my finger pressing your lips those are those are the most except for maybe the last images the most intimate with the you in the poem yeah but i'm still yeah so that that clears things up um i do wonder like all the phrase like all images is still very interesting and i think this is something that glick does which is why she's such a good poet but also a little mysterious is she can be very declarative about like like all images these were conditions of a pact it's like you haven't backed up like i have no idea if i buy this claim but yet here it is and i'm sort of along for the ride um in support of my perhaps slightly reductive potential <laughs> reading of this poem as just memories of two people together through life, yeah. perhaps that, like all images, is telling us how to read the poem forward. Every image of this is about that pact these two people made, and all these images are about the life they then went on to live together that cycled through this area not the room specifically because they reflect on the fact the room must be there on the fourth floor i can imagine them on the beach as the man child call as the man calls the child back our you know writer looks over at the hotel or the house that they stayed in and looks up at the fourth floor and thinks about the weekend they spent there yeah and the room must still be there but they're not seeing it you know do you think that the man and the child are related to the speaker or because I, I initially thought they were just like two random people that she saw. Um, if only because that small boy, he would be 20 now. It's like if that's the speaker's child, that's like a really way to, like unless she's estranged, like they got divorced and now has not seen her kid for a long time. Um, that would be an odd way of talking about it. And because with the man there's so much second person it seems odd that the speaker would then talk about the you as the man rather than you with the child or something i, I think that's probably correct i i think it is that that last line then takes us back to the room that they're looking out and they see this man and child and then it sort of takes us back to these two people. I think that's probably a more correct reading. Because honestly, when I initially read the poem, I read that as this is a couple who lost a child remembering fonder times. Yeah, well, and that still could be in the poem. I mean, that still could be what's meant, but I, yeah, I'm not sure. It's, no, I, it's specifically I, I, I go with your reading 100%. I think that they there's probably two people together and they look out where they go out onto the beach and they see these two people and then they come back and they're it's reflecting on the memory of that time of being young and just impressions of what's going on. Yeah. One other part that I think helps the stillness of the poem along with the general lack of verbs in the memory sections is there are no enjambments at all. Frequently, caesuras are like multiple sentences within each line. And um, that 
really slows things down and keeps things very compact. So if you have a lot of enjambment, there's a lot of movement into the next line. There's a lot of bleeding in and that motion, but everything is very calm and com like compartmentalized almost. But getting to your point about the last line and why it sticks with you, that last line of the poem is two sentences in one line and there's verbs in them. Yeah, although, well, they're, okay, so they're verbs. So when I said verbs initially, I meant like in the verb form. So like uh, there's filled with white peonies, but it's not heavy jar fills peonies or something. That's all I meant. Right, it's not an action, really. It's describing. Yeah, yeah. 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 but that is true. It has, um, it's also the sounds so flicker of silver with muslin, there's the sort of I sounds in muslin and flick and sill, and then the errs in flicker and silver that move, I think, into the jar. Um, and filled has kind of muslin, those I sounds. And then white peonies is, they're kind of new sounds in that line that I think help it depart with vividness definitely but it's also a different way of describing than like on the table a dish of apricots true that's yeah. much more declarative than heavy jar that's a description we don't get any description of the table or the dish the most we get about the ashtrays that it's white like this is a heavy jar that's weight and it also signals that someone placed it down there's knowledge of its heft that's very different from a static white ashtray and filled with white peonies also indicates someone taking them and putting them in there that this jar did not always contain them whereas pits in a white ashtray or on the table a dish of apricots that could always have been there it's yeah. so static whereas this has implied emotion just circling all around it it's much more filled with potential that's yeah that is absolutely right implied motion is such a good phrase because those, those, uh, that's totally right. And then also um, around your face, rushes of damp hair streaked with auburn, flicker of silver. The rush, the streak, the flicker, those are all implied motion or, you know, verbs that have that, or verb forms. That you, just get, you get the sense of more going on around what's being described than the simple mm -hmm. scene setting flashes that you get at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And part of that, I think, has to do with the fact that this other person has been introduced. And so we're playing off of that person a little bit, not just describing the room, which is our initial goal. But it also, I think, is in the service of accelerating this feeling that the poem is building to, which really does hit in that white peony line. Yeah, exactly. And I think it also echoes a little bit, which makes sense because that's the second person in the on your cheek tremor of sunlight. And I feel like tremor has that similar meaning as a flicker or the streak um, where there's like this like, very short flash of something that is intense, but minute and perhaps precarious. Um, and yet at the same time, those are all sort of 
humming under the surface of this largely sort of very calm composed poem where there's like there's not much like tremor in the rhythm you would say or i would say i agree <laughs> you would also say and i too shall say yes <laughs> verily tis thus verily verily do you have any other thoughts i'm trying to think i no i don't think so i yeah. think i am ready to hear it again i think we got to hear it again marvelous all right and presque isle i don't know where that is i don't know <laughs> Is it in Maine? There's a Presque Isle in Maine. But then I was like, there's no ocean that you can see from Presque Isle. Or based on my Google search, this is not very pertinent, but there's also there's a Presque, Presque Isle, Isle Park State Park in Pennsylvania. I looked that mm -hmm. up too, but no ocean there. Anyway, Glick, you must answer us. Glick? <laughs> this, is, this is looking pretty oceanic. No, Presque Isle State Park. Oh, is it oceanic? No, it's an aerial view into a thin green peninsula arching into a long lake, a large lake. All right. It could be. It, it looks ocean-y. Okay. Ocean-esque. Ocean-esque. Ocean-esque Isle Presque. Presque Isle. In every life, there's a moment or two. In every life, a room somewhere by the sea or in the mountains. On the table, a dish of apricots pits in a white ashtray. Like all images, these were the conditions of a pact. On your cheek, tremor of sunlight, my finger pressing your lips. The walls blue white, paint from the low bureau flaking a little. That room must still exist on the fourth floor with a small balcony overlooking the ocean. A square white room the top sheet pulled back over the edge of the bed. It hasn't dissolved back into nothing, into reality. Through the open window, sea air smelling of iodine. Early morning, a man calling a small boy back from the water. That small boy, he would be 20 now. Around your face, rushes of damp hair streaked with auburn. Muslin, flicker of silver, heavy jar filled with white peonies. And that's our show. Another show? Why did I say show? It's it's a show. It's a show? Alright. It's a show. Another great successful show. so much for listening. If you want to stay up to date on the latest Close Talking news, be sure to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash close talking and to follow us on Twitter. The show is at close talking. My Twitter handle is at Jack Rossiter Munn and Connor's is at hot sauce boxed. Of course, the best way to stay up to date with the show is by subscribing, either on the iTunes Store or you can find us on Stitcher or SoundCloud. If you have thoughts about this show, comments, suggestions for poems we could cover in the future, or think that we've gotten something completely wrong, you can write to us at close talking poetry at gmail.com. <laughs>